On this tactics episode of Game Dev Hideout, Daniel gets to chat with Taylor, better known as Loxulus, on t- Twitter, the creator of Chesslock. Chesslock is a variation of chess where different pieces are given various power-ups to aid in the victory. Along with additional abilities, there are also roadblocks to dodge and weave around. If you're a fan of TRPGs or chess, this is definitely going to be the game for you. Then, after the break... Chris and Daniel get to speak with Ken, the creator of Immortal Tactics. It takes place on a densely populated hex grid map that leads to a lot of versatility and tactical choices. Again, Tactics and chess fans are going to want to check this one out as well. Having played the demo, I highly recommend it. We hope you enjoy these interviews. Today, Today, I am joined with Taylor perhaps better known as Loculus on Twitter and other social parts of the world. Loculus, uh, yeah. <laughs> how you doing, man? Hey, doing great. Uh, so glad you're having me on. Of course, of course. We 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 get anyone who will say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this game, we're, we're talking mostly about chess lock today. For people who don't know, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, hey everyone, I'm Taylor Hatton. I go by Loxilus on social media. Um, and, uh, I been designing games ever since I was a little kid. I've been making card games, board games, designing stories for RPGs ever since I was little. And, uh, you know, as I got older, I never took it as a career path. And, um, I, I, I wish I got into the gaming industry, but, uh, I just didn't take that path. And um, so I was making some uh, games for fun on the side, all types of games. And um, I had this really cool, unique idea to make some changes to the game chess. And um, I created Chess Lock. Uh, I, I have to ask about this because people want to know, do you do you have any board games that you've made? Like card yeah. games, board games that you've yeah. done? Yeah, I, I did make some uh, board games, um, some card games. Uh, in fact, I... I, I think I might have made the first Dragon Ball Z card game I made. Uh, I, I watched that show growing up and I, I I printed out all the characters. I gave them abilities and I gave them ways that uh, they could upgrade abilities. And it was a turn-based card game. And that was before the cards for the show ever existed. And so I was like, oh man, I had that idea when I was a kid. And um, yeah, I made some board games. I made... Battle Shots, which is the game Battleship, but uh, you play with uh, little cups and you can put whatever you want in the cups. And that was a big, that's been a big hit. Um, but yeah, I, I crafted all that. It's really fun. So yeah, I just like making little games and stuff. That's awesome. Are any of them like kind of like commercially available? Like, can we find No, the only no? thing Bummer. that's <laughs> actually available is uh, Chess Lock, which is on Steam. You didn't go down the the path of being a game dev, so you sort of do it as like passion projects. Yeah, it's um, it's been nights and weekends. Just uh, you know, w- whenever I get time, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll put a couple hours in on a Friday night, Thursday night, Tuesday night. You know, I, I actually started making chess lock about twelve years ago. I kept putting it down, picking it back up, putting uh, you know, ideas on paper, ideas in spreadsheets, and. I didn't really know 
how to get it off the ground. So it just kept on going like, ah, I'll put it on the back burner and then I get some ideas and then um, I, I keep adding to it. So it was off and on for many years. But uh, a few years ago, I got some some fire and I was just like, you know what? I, I, I've gotten as far as I can on paper and on spreadsheets and in prototypes. It's, you know, it's time to, should I pull the trigger or just say goodbye to it? And that's what it came down to. So are you as like almost like inspired by like physical like board games as you are like video games? Um, yeah, I, I certainly love playing board games, but I mean, I, I guess I love video games even more. <laughs> but uh, the, the inspiration really came from, um, well, I was playing a lot of chess. I went through this phase where I, would, I was playing a lot of chess and I was also playing a lot of tactical strategy games specifically a game called final fantasy tactics mm -hmm. and um in fact i played it uh what two nights ago actually it's one of my favorite games of all time you know that game and chess have a lot in common you have several uh units that you control that you move and you move them across a grid or a board and they all have uh, unique, they have some some sort of unique ability. You know, in chess, it's a unique movement. Um, it might be a horizontal or uh, diagonal movement. It might be an L-shaped movement. And that's what makes them unique. And then in these, you know, tactical games, they might have uh, a certain abilities that make them unique. And so I thought about combining the two and I added RPG elements to chess so your chess pieces gain experience points and level ups and they get new abilities that you can upgrade and the whole thing is played in this puzzle campaign where every game is unique you see that's awesome because we actually did an episode called from chess to final fantasy kind of yeah in our, in our own galaxy brain way sort of like yeah i listened to it <laughs> like sculpting yeah. the path and we we get kind of out there as far as thoughts go the idea stays the same and chess locks like if that episode were a game it would be chess lock yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so one of my biggest questions i've actually i haven't always gotten to play the demos or the games of people we've spoken to but i've actually gotten to play chess lock oh great and it was actually quite a bit of fun. But my big question was, like, how did you go about, like, assigning, like, unique values to, like, a bishop or a knight where you can, like, gain experience and then they can do other things? Yeah, so, well, the, the, the first thing was deciding what unique abilities they should have. So in chess lock, your pieces move how they normally move in chess, right? L-shape, diagonally, horizontally. Pawns can, you know, move one or two from the start, you know, or attack diagonally, etc. But then each power piece gains three unique abilities. And those are the first things that, um, um, that, uh, uh, that was the first challenge coming up with those. And it had to be things that would make sense. So the, the the first one I think I, I thought of was the bishop. And when you play RPGs, even MMO RPGs, there's always like a, a cleric or like a white mage or like that kind of healer type class. And I thought, well, the bishop, the bishop is supposed to be kind of like that holy kind of, um, you know, 
cleric it could also be like a, a white mage if you're playing an rpg so i gave the bishop a revive ability and that's it's kind of um it's kind of it's it's biggest ability it's ultimate ability it's the most expensive to uh, uh unlock and and purchase and use in the game and so you can revive one piece from your you know your graveyard your removed pieces and um and then i think the next ability was i was looking at the knight and if you look at the knight, well, it's called a knight, right? So you can think of like a knight in armor, but the graphic of the knight is actually a horse. And so where where do you see a knight and a horse together? And I, was th- and I thought about jousting, um, you know, two knights on horseback and they're charging toward each other. And when you're playing chess, the knight can only move in an L shape. And there were times that I wanted, gosh, I just... I wish my knight could just attack in a straight line. <laughs> and so his, so his uh, big ability is called joust and it's a straight line attack with the knight. And, um, and then, so I was going through and I thought, well, what else would make sense? And so uh, the king, um, the king has this ability called dub knight that if he's, you know, one square away from a pawn, you can, so if you can picture in your head, a king standing in like a, a person kneeling in front of the king and then, you know, the king taps, uh, taps on either shoulder and I, I, I dub you uh, a knight. So the dub knight ability turns a pawn into a knight for the rest of that match. And you, and so each power piece has three of these really cool, fun, useful abilities that are either utility or offensive or defensive. And, as you gain experience, you can choose which ones you want to unlock. So you, they're all laid out there, and you you choose which one you want. Now, do you want to put all your points into upgrading, you know, one? Do you want to dump them all into one uh, uh, piece, or do you want to spread them out so you have a variety of abilities? And some players will, will you know, it, it's really mixed. Some like, oh, you know, I love this one. You know, I want to upgrade it to level three. And when you upgrade, you can, uh, the range increases on them. So, um, for example, the, the knight has also has this ability called halt. And, um, and the artwork is, is if you could picture like a knight or like a guard and he puts his hand up in front of you in like a stop and says halt, um, this ability freezes uh, a, a targeted enemy piece, and so it cannot act on the next turn. So if you upgrade that, you know you you can increase the range from one square away to two squares away, three squares away. And if you upgrade it all the way, you can use it two times in one game instead of just uh, one time uh, per game. So um, yeah, it was really fun coming up with all these unique abilities. Uh, what would make the most sense? And it's not just thrown out there right uh i think the rook was probably the hardest to come up with but the rook if you think about the rook in in chess it's it's a structure right it's like a tower and so the i gave the rook an ability called uh fortification and the surrounding pieces by the rook um are uh protected uh on your opponent's next turn it kind of creates this um this uh, fortified structure, uh, even the artwork, you can see like pawns or, uh, you know, some humans 
um, beneath this, like, uh, not a fortress, but like a, a, a structure, um, and it protects them. So, um, you know, yeah, just giving them all unique abilities, and that was a lot of fun and challenging to do. Yeah, I can imagine. But I was kind of wondering while I was playing it, like, did it ever feel kind of hard to, like, balance it between, like, getting a special ability and, like, kind of, like, straight up, like, making it impossible to lose? Making it impossible to lose? Yeah. By well, like... if now, if, if <laughs> so you can, you can be really good at chess and you can come up with some really good abilities to unlock and upgrade. But as you progress in the game, it gets harder. The AI uh, grows. So the first four missions in the game, um, it's kind of just getting, especially the first mission, the enemy is only a bunch of pawns. And then the next few missions, um, the enemy will not use any abilities. But on mission five, they start using abilities. And as you get into the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, they start using more abilities. And it's it's much it's much more difficult. And then once you beat the 50 mission campaign, there's something called the end game dungeon. Once you beat that, it the screen changes. It says, prepare to enter the dungeon. And the, the first 50 missions of the campaign are uh, either mirror image or reverse image. So each side has an equal advantage or disadvantage, right? Same number of pieces um, and mirror image. But with the endgame dungeon, you're outnumbered. The king's throne may be uh, blocked by walls. Um, you're going to be at uh, positional disadvantages. And, you know, your opponent might have two queens. And while you only have, you know, one, you're one, um, you might have one of every power piece. Your opponent might have two of every power piece. You know, it's so the end, it, it gets way more challenging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at chess. So I had to really rely on the different like modifiers and like boosts that you get. Yeah. And like I, I thought I abilities. Yeah. Yeah. I think I got to about level five when I had to stop. OK. And I was getting like brutalized. Yeah. The beginning <laughs> the beginning's really hard, especially mission two. Uh, that's when, you know, the that first that first game is kind of considered tutorial. Um being only enemy pawns that you're up against. And then mission two, you start saying, wait a minute, this board is completely scrambled. It's, it's not, your pieces don't start in the traditional places, you know, rooks on the corner, the king and queen towards the middle, right? And then you have a row of pawns. It introduces these new mechanics where the pieces are basically scrambled. Your your king and queen might start on the corners. Your rooks might start in the middle. Your knights might start on the third row. Instead of four pawns, you might only have, or instead of eight pawns, you might only have four. And so w whenever you click next mission, next mission, you just kind of take a look at the board and it's like, whoa, okay, these pieces are all over I'm not used to this. You know, normal chess players have to think, wow, uh, I, you, you need a new strategy. You need new thinking. These are new puzzles you have to solve. And that new difficulty makes it really fun, I think. I, I would agree with that. And I thought um, another thing you add to the maps that is not normal chess is you have 
uh, and you had sort of alluded to it earlier, you have walls and different yeah. things that block your path. So <laughs> you have to kind of rethink about how you want to use a, your night. And yeah, yeah, exactly. So these walls are, um, uh, well, uh, they're these permanent structures which you just have to play around. Like, what, what if there's, uh, you know, a, a, a couple walls right in the middle of the map, or maybe they're on the, uh, you know, the, the the sides of the map, and oh, well, I can't do my rook straight movement there, or I can't move my pawn up because there's this uh, wall that's blocking this square. This square is no longer usable. But you're right. If you move your knight up, knights can jump over pieces, and they can jump over walls too and that reminds me uh one, one of the abilities for the rook i was talking about them being a uh, the rook is is kind of like a structure piece right it looks kind of like a a little tower doesn't it well one of the abilities for the rook is called drawing a blank on, on my own piece's uh, uh uh name anyway so the rook no it's called it's called wall what am i thinking okay so <laughs> one of the rook's abilities is called wall and it can create one of those temporary walls just for one turn. So you can you can move your rook, or um, you know you can just use your rook's wall ability, place a wall on a square, and it would block movements that may, maybe your queen is is you know has a as a beeline attack on your your king or or you know whatever piece, and then you boom you create this wall in on this square and it blocks that so it covers you for one extra turn and then it goes away um at the start of your next turn so some of the walls are permanent like if the map starts with walls and then you can create temporary walls with your rook yeah i, I hadn't unlocked that although the rook is one of my favorite pieces and i thought that i had a hard time getting them out sometimes yeah yeah um yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in regular chess, that's the same thing. They're in those corners and, you know, you're going to have to move either a pawn or, you know, a, a knight to get that rook out. But the rook has a unique ability called um, castle. And if you think about in regular chess, castle is already a name of a move. It's a very unique move in, in regular chess, right? Your king and your rook can kind of swap make a little swap, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in chess lock, castle is, you can swap places with any power piece, right? So it doesn't just have to be with your king. It could be with a bishop, could be with a, a knight, it could be with um, uh, your queen. And, um, you know, if you up if you upgrade it to level one, then that power piece is limited. It can only be a power piece that's one square away and you swap positions. But if you upgrade it further, spend your experience points and upgrade it to level two, you know, you could be swapping positions with a, a bishop that's two squares away. Right. And mm -hmm. so you just said, oh, I have I had some trouble getting my rook out. But if you use that castle ability, it's so useful, especially in the end game dungeon. There, there's your your spoiler. Hint that's a, the, yeah, that's a hint. Find a boss. <laughs> <laughs> so with uh, with the map design, like how did you sort of go about that? Was there just sort of like did you just like play a bunch to see like, kind of what would happen with different like modifiers, like different wall pieces added? Like you did 50 of these, so it must have taken a lot of work to sort of get them to be unique and kind of challenging. 
Yes. Well, I did 50 of them and then I added another 50 for oh. the that the end game dungeon, which was I, I, I'll send you screenshots of, of some of them later. But um, it, it they're whoa. OK, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was playing around with them. Um, uh, the walls were really fun putting putting them in the middle of the board in the sides of the board and then i, I just i wanted to I, I wanted it to really feel like a puzzle like you're looking at a brand new board it's kind of like have you ever like played a game of chess uh started to play it and then you and your opponent kind of take a break and you leave and then come back and you you, you have to look at the board again and the, they're all scrambled Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, okay, uh, okay, well, this piece could attack, okay, over there. It's kind of like that, joining in kind of in the middle of a game, and you have to play like that. And it adds that new challenge, that new that new strategy and new thinking. Um, it just kind of forces you into that. And I, 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 had, I had so many different um, variants of that, and I just went with, you know, which one's the most fun which ones uh basically it came down to that which one's the most fun and i I got rid of some of them and you know what i really like this one and um so yeah it was it was it was a lot of fun making up those different variations very cool so you must have done like a lot of play testing to kind of see what the options would be right yeah yeah absolutely Uh, a lot of play testing um seeing how fast it would be to get into the action. So something with normal chess is, you know, it, you know, the, the start, it's kind of like scoot upon, scoot another pawn. Um, and then, you know, you want to develop your pieces and in the majority of chess lock, let's just say, you know, six or seven turns to develop pieces. You might only need to take like three or four. And so it kind of gets you into that, that uh uh oh i i could make an attack right now do i want to make a sacrifice do i want to swap it kind of gets you into the action just a little bit sooner but you can still play defensively and, and all that when developing this uh did you like learn how to do all the programming and art things on your own or did you have some people that you worked with to help you out yeah so i i tried to get into programming and i found that i I'm not, i don't really like programming <laughs> Like I said, I de- I designed this game for many years on paper and in spreadsheets, tweaking experience points and um, how they scale, how much you get throughout the campaign and making all the different maps and, um, you know, abilities and everything. I got everything on paper and designed everything as far as I possibly could. And then I got to that point where it's it's you know, I could either just sit here forever or I could try to bring it to life. Well, how do I do that? Um, I'm going to need some sort of money or something like that. Right. Because I, 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 I'm not into programming. Um, so I actually called a few different app building companies and I talked with them, explained the whole situation. They quoted me, okay, so we'll do the programming. We'll, we'll you know, uh, make create this artwork. Um, we'll do uh, soundtracks. Uh, we'll do a little bit of marketing. And um, this is going to be about, uh, cost you $35,000. Uh, 
And I'm thinking, okay, good information. I got to go because (laughs) I I didn't have $35,000. I had just gotten married. I just bought a house. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't cough up that kind of money. And so the dream was kind of dead for, uh, dream was kind of dead for a, a little bit. And then I thought, you know, wh- what if I do this piece by piece, very, you know, slowly, and I just put the components together uh, as uh, affordably as possible. And so I went to this website and I'm about to sound like an advertisement for Fiverr.com. Are you familiar with Fiverr? That's sort of like a freelancer. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? So it's it has just thousands and thousands of freelance workers that'll do everything. And um, so I found my, my programmer, my artist, and my comp- composer on Fiverr. And the good thing about Fiverr is there are so many of them. You are going to find the style that you want if it comes to art or or music composition. And you're going to find your price point. You're going to find what is in your budget. And I was on a really tight budget, right? And so um, first one I talked to, I talked to an artist. So I looked through, you know, dozens of artists and, I, you know, I really like, like this guy's feel. He has, uh, it's not, it's not too cartoony. It's, it's got vibrant colors, but it also has kind of a dark theme to it just slightly. And, and so I, I just really liked it. So I got to talking to him and then I said, Hey, you know, I, I need like 30 of these pieces of artwork. And this is the art for the abilities for the title screen for the victory and uh, victory or loss screen. And then, you know, uh, various other um, little pieces of artwork that might pop up on the screen or flipping through the uh, um, each button. And so I said, you know, I need about 30 of these, you know, what, you know, we started talking about, uh, you know, time and uh, money. And he said, okay, well, I can't do this all, you know, ASAP. Let's do, let's do a 10 at a time. And, you know, you give me like a month and which it was perfect for me because I need to get a couple paychecks so I can, you know, um, that towards purchasing this artwork. And so he dished out, you know, about 10 per month. And since it was kind of that, that bulk order, I was getting 30 of them. I got a very affordable deal and, um, that worked out. The next up, I found this amazing composer and I said, Hey, I like your sound. Um, I need about five or six or seven of these uh, uh, soundtracks and they'll all be about 60 seconds long. And then I need them to loop. Is it 60 seconds? Okay. Loopable. Sure. Okay. So you're trying to do chess. Okay. So something classical, how about piano? And I said, no, not piano. I don't want the players to fall asleep. I need something (laughs) with some bump. I want, uh, I want it to sound cool. And so, well, he gave me uh, what you hear. It's 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 almost like I don't know if it's considered techno, but uh, it's. I, I said I need it subtle enough so they can focus, but I need some enough bump so they're not falling asleep. And I got these really awesome tracks for the uh, you know the title screen, the uh, menu screens, and then you can actually change the music if you want in game. So I got that, and then. The hardest thing was finding a programmer. So I interviewed uh, a few different programmers and I heard all their price points. 
And I talked to this one programmer and I said, can you make the game chess from scratch? Like create the rules for chess and this has to move this way and this has to attack diagonally. And he said, yeah, I can make it from scratch. I said, okay, then can you add certain abilities and, you know, your king can dub dub a pawn to a knight and it's a knight for the rest of the game. Can you do that? Yeah, yeah, sure, I can do that. I said, okay. And we got to talking and he and he said, I can't do this full time. I can do a little bit here and a little bit there and it's going to take some time. And that was perfect for me because I, you know, I had to give, you know, a few hundred dollars of, of every few weeks and uh, we did that for about a year and a half. And, um, you know, the, the, the other option was pay, you know, $35,000 to a company up front to build this game. And the route that I took was, uh, I did it in less than a third of that. And yeah, and that's how I built my first game. I, I used Fiverr.com for an artist, a composer and a programmer and, the every two weeks, the programmer would send me um, his uh, the build. OK, this this uh, knight's joust ability is in. And so I would test it out, tested it in different ways. And then, OK, now the, the bishop's revive ability is in and I would test that out. OK, I put in the the next five uh, maps to play and I would test those out, make sure they're fun and then make sure there are no bugs. There was a infinite xp glitch i found uh, right before launch that was really unique um so you know the programmer would get further and further with what we what we had planned out and then i would test it and then send it back and we did that for about a year and a half that's how we built it and then my next biggest um challenge was marketing the game that was a really big challenge because I didn't really have funding to market the game. I mean, there was no there was no Kickstarter. There was no fundraiser, no, you know, GoFundMe.com. It was all just it's my passion project. So I made certain sacrifices and w- with every paycheck of my, you know, normal day job, I just put it towards the game and it was my project. It was my hobby. Right. But once the, my, my wife said, okay, once you launch it, that's it. You can't spend any more money. And so I couldn't advertise besides word of mouth. And so, you know, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Twitch and I was using social media and I was saying, Hey, this is chess with RPG elements. It has puzzle aspects and you can upgrade your pieces and there's experience points and level ups and all that. And that worked for a little bit. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to all the chess streamers on Twitch and give them a free code to play the game, a free Steam key to play the game. And so I went to the biggest chess streamers and I went to uh, game, like indie game review companies. I seriously sent out about, I contacted about 100, let's just say. It's a good round number and it's pretty accurate. About 100. And I probably heard back from less than 10%. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the the chat, I thought it was going to be a big hit with the, the chess streamers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people just watch them play chess. But the thing about chess streamers is that they want to play chess and not a chess variant. 
And, and so, okay, that makes sense. Cause they're, you know, feedback that I got was, well, I'm trying to be a grandmaster. This isn't going to help me be a grandmaster. And like, huh, okay, that makes sense. And so, <laughs> you know, you know, they don't want to play a chess variant. So I went to other uh, YouTubers, just game reviewers. Hey, you want to play uh, a new game? It's a puzzle game. If you like chess, you like RPGs, this is right up your alley. And I got one big one. I mean, bigger than all the others. I got a big YouTube, one of the biggest game review YouTubers that exist. Uh, his name is Pro Jared. He reviews a lot of um, RPGs, like Final Fantasy games and stuff like that. I sent I sent him an email and I said, "Hey, uh, I've actually been watching you on YouTube for um, several years now, which is completely true." And uh, I, I just developed this game. Um, it's called Chess Lock, chess with RPG elements. And I didn't hear anything for about a month. And then I'm just I'm on, I'm at my computer and I see on my Chess Lock YouTube page, um, someone commented on my video. Like I put like a tutorial. I put like the the game trailer on the YouTube page or the tutorial or both of them. And I got comments like, "Hey." Just saw the game. Looks great. And then I said, hey, uh, yeah, just heard about the game. This is great. And I said, oh, how did you hear about this? Oh, on the Pro Jared channel. And then I kept getting these notifications like, hey, your game looks really cool. And I said, wait, a Pro Jared, he didn't even tell me. the big One of the biggest YouTuber, YouTube uh, uh, game review YouTubers didn't even tell me that he put out a video. But that day, he put it out and it got like 20,000 views within the first day. And it's him playing my game for like 30 minutes in this video. And I was so excited. I was sweating watching it. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, um, this is amazing. And he, he, he did well. The second half, he skipped the tutorial and he just jumped right into playing the game. And he didn't know, wait a minute. Well, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I'm ripping my hair out and I'm thinking, (laughs) like, listen, the tutorial is too minutes long that's it okay it's two minutes you can just do this anyway uh he got the hang of it because there's a a little uh mechanic with the king's throne that um if you skip the tutorial you're gonna not know how to do that or maybe not know how to use abilities or something like that but um he played it he played it pretty well it looked like he was having fun and then i read the comments there were like 300 comments on his video that first day and um, they were all saying like, oh, you you should have moved your your knight to F3 and then you should have used, uh, you know, the knight's halt ability or you should have you should have done this. And oh, you should have done. And that made people themselves buy the game. And it brought, you know, that video brought a bunch of people to uh, my Steam page. Uh, you know, I, I can do it better than than this YouTuber. And so they went out and they bought the game and, uh, you know. That was uh, that was really cool. <laughs> it, it, all it really takes is like one person fi- finding your game, and then you have Stardew yeah, Valley. Yeah, <laughs> I was really counting on that. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually something about your game that's different than a lot of the other people that we talk to. Is your game's currently available? You can go buy it. Right. right. You could be playing Chess Lock while you listen to us talk about Chess Lock right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's on Steam. And, um, I, you know, I set it at a very fair price. It's only $6 and 99 cents on steam. Um, so yeah, go get it. 
Yeah, it's a, an incredible price for if there if there's a hundred plus levels and chess is your thing, you'll definitely really dig it. That's for yeah. sure. Like I was saying, I'm I suck at chess and I was still having fun trying to like figure it out. And I feel like <laughs> the advantages and things that you add made it so even though I suck at chess, I still had a chance. Yeah, yeah, which is something I don't always have. So e- even if like you're not a chess grandmaster or however that works, you you yeah, can still really a chance. enjoy this game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, one thing I was kind of wondering about was from all your notebooks and like data that you were compiling for all that time, does when you were writing those notes and stuff, does your final product reflect what you were hoping for? One big thing that I left out, I wanted you to I wanted there to be um, a way to upgrade your castle. So th- there was this castle component where it's kind of like home court advantage or home field advantage. If you're playing on my side, like if I'm playing as, you know, either black or white or whatever, if you're playing on, you're either playing on my, in my castle courtyard, or you're playing in the other opponent's castle courtyard and you could upgrade your castle to have certain special perks, like something, for example, like um, one perk was like, you could, you, you could go first or something like that. Or another perk was like um, your opponent cannot use an ability the first three rounds, the first three turns, something like that. So there were different ways to upgrade the castle. I even had a bunch of cosmetic things planned. Like you could change how your pieces looked, change how the the board looks. I played around with different styles of pieces, but overall it didn't look good. If one if one chess if one side chess set has a certain style and then the other one has a different one, it just it looked really odd and it just didn't look good. And then if you could change the board itself to instead of instead of a marble to be like a wooden tiles or you know you know something like that. If if your pieces were glossy and the other ones were more like a uh, crystal or marble. It just, the, the mismatch didn't look good. So I got rid of that. Yeah. And, and then I didn't go through with the, uh, upgrading your castle thing. That sounds cool though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somewhere down the road, there'll be a way to like incorporate that into like yeah. a GLC or chess like... lock two. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I thought about, um, I thought about adding to the game, which I did. I added more of the the end game dungeon missions, which based on feedback is the player's favorite part of the game. Once you get into this dungeon hard mode, it's really fun. It's different. It's challenging. The the game board goes uh uh goes to a, a darker scale. The music changes. You're in this dungeon. It, it is challenging but really fun. And so I added more of those. The game, the game started when I launched it. There were only 12 dungeon maps. And then people saying, we want more dungeon maps. So I said, okay, I'm going to up it to 20 dungeon maps. And they're, okay, they're really hard, guys. And then they said, you know what? We want more. So I up, upped it to 50. And okay, these are really, really hard. Like you need your, you need your abilities maxed out for i mean you you it's well i don't want to spoil it but uh yeah (laughs) so have you gotten um a lot of feedback that people have gotten through like all 100 levels oh yeah yeah 
Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, all, all 100 levels. There are some uh, some diehards. I have a Discord channel, and you can join the Chesslock Discord. And I uh, created it for um, if, if you have any questions or something like that, hop in the Discord and you can share. Oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm stuck on this this map. This one's so hard or. Oh, uh, I, I like this ability, and they talk about different challenges. Like there are different runs that you can do, like um, uh, a queen abilities only run. So you can use just normal chess, and the only abilities you're allowed to use are your queens, right? And so, uh, like I did a king ability only run. Another guy did a, a knights knight only ability run. And they're really fun. They're challenging. They're really different. I started working on a speed run of my own game, actually. I, I, I like watching speed runs. And um, I started mapping out, you know, what what would be the best route? And um, But anyway, so yeah, we can talk about all that in uh, the Discord server. Just go to Discord and uh, look up Chesslock, and then it's right there. Now that Chesslock is out and people are playing it, have you thought about doing another game or just lock yeah. two maybe <laughs> yeah well i mean like i said i people were asking for more dungeon dungeon maps and so i made more dungeon maps and i i thought about what could be next and i thought about going to you know tablets ipads i i think that would be doable that was in the original design but then i just launched it on steam and i think it plays really well on you know, with with a mouse, moving your pieces with a mouse, and you can either click and drag or you can point and click, and um, it works well with the mouse. And I thought, you know, it could work with like an iPad, so that could be a next step. Um, the other step would be uh, localization. I could, you know, change it to other languages. I haven't done any of that because I've been working on another game, my next game. It's it has nothing to do with chess. And uh, I'm not quite ready to talk about it yet, but um, um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty well into uh, um, uh, I'm still in design phase, but uh, I, yeah, I I've been working on something else, so I haven't added many extra features to Chesslock since launch. Well, it sounds like there's plenty to to explore already without yeah adding more. Do you ever get um I, I'm keeping you a really long time, so I apologize. Oh, it's okay. This is a lot of fun. No, this um, is great. Do you have people like recommend like maps to you that are like, oh, you should try try this or try that? Uh, recommend maps like like, like ideas like oh you oh can yeah like no. oh so so in in the Discord server, um, I, I posted a challenge called design your own map, and I I took three players maps and they are in the end game dungeon. Oh really? Yeah. So so I said here here's a blank template. All you do is you mark, you know, P for pawn or Q for queen or uh, W for a wall and, um, you know, that. So here's you just take this. And then um, I had a few people send it back to me and I said, okay, well, uh, I think we should modify this, this, this. That way the player can think about doing this. And And so I, I designed it with the player base. And then I said, great. And then I pick three of them. And the my three favorite ones are in the Endgame Dungeon in in Chesslock. That's awesome. Yeah, because that helps people feel even more a part of the experience. Yeah, absolutely. I won't pry too much onto the next game, but we'll have to get you back when there's there's more to share. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, is there uh, anything else you'd like to 
share with the world before we we get to wrapping up? I I think I would just like to talk about you know uh, Chesslock is live on uh, Steam right now. Just type it. It's one word: C H E S S L O C K E. If you want to help out. You can buy the game, or if you see it on social media, maybe you could share it on Twitter. Um, you could like the category on Twitch. Um, yeah, so you could just uh, follow it on social media and join the Discord and leave a review. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And uh, what was your Twitter handle again? Yeah, so my Twitter handle is Loxulus, L-O-X-X-U-L-U-S, Loxulus. And then there's Chesslock Twitter. And then I'm I'm actually a Twitch streamer. I stream RPGs on Twitch under Loxulus. Um, I stream a lot of retro games like Final Fantasy games. I'm playing through Xenogears right now, the, um, if you're a fan of that. And um, people will join my Twitch and ask me questions about Chesslock. And I love answering questions about Chesslock, even when I'm playing uh, another another game. So feel free to do that. Awesome. Well, it's so cool to, to talk with you. You clearly have like a huge passion for your game. Yeah, thanks. You and, too. Uh, you talk about it very clearly. And I feel like I learned a lot about it. And I'm excited to go back and play again. Great. Yeah, I hope you do. Hopefully I've become a better player just having heard more about the process. So. <laughs> well, if you have any questions, if you uh, if you need any help, uh, you can s- send me a tweet or uh, uh, ask me on Discord, and I'm open for any questions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have to get you back on soon. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Hey there, podcast listeners. I am David. And I'm Kate. And together we host a podcast that you might be interested in if you like The Legend of Zelda. There are lots of awesome podcasts out there and a lot of awesome Zelda podcasts (laughs) out there. That's right, Kate. And we are another one of them. In fact, that is the name of our show, Another Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We do a couple top ten lists here and there. We have some deep dive episodes and we even pepper in a couple quiz episodes. We talk about our own experiences, we do some review episodes, talk about our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. If it has to do with The Legend of Zelda, we talk about it. You can check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a lot of the other podcast services that are out there. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. All right, we will see you there. Okay, bye! Hey, this is TC. And this is Jim from the Studio Demands It podcast. Where every episode we take a demand from a hypothetical studio. Which could be you. And challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations. Or the demands. We are given. We talk about movies all the time. Particularly, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen. We're nerds like that. And, of course, like any good nerd does, we automatically assume that we could do better. Even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on by a production. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com and listen to our previous library of episodes. Our library of previous episodes.
Our precious library, Jim. <laughs> our library of precious episodes. <laughs> You're a pirate Smeagol. <laughs> uh, okay. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com to listen to our library of episodes. And submit your demand for a future episode, too. So go do that. Okay, bye. Okay, end of ad. Hello, we are joined with Ken today, the creator of Immortal Tactics. And Chris is here as always, or as frequently as we can ask him to be here. So, uh, Ken, how are you today? I'm good. How are you both? Doing good. I just rolled out of bed. (laughs) I'm a little bit (laughs) sleepy, but I'm excited to be here. I'm good too. Thanks for having me. So what is Immortal Tactics kind of about? Yeah, Immortal Tactics is a fast turn-based roguelite um, tactics game. So basically it's um, it's a hex game with roguelite elements to it, which focuses more of constant conflicts and battles every time because um, I think one of the reasons I made the game was to create something that's suitable for the modern um, generation while having a bit of like um, the classic uh, tactics at the same time but mixed with the modern of it. So uh, I think it's more of it's, it's more of a game that pushes the player to um, to think about the moves of, of each moves thoroughly before making them, you know, just, just moving them everywhere, just attacking every single time. Um, I tried a game that makes the players uh, players think first rather than just, you know, just keep on moving and attacking. Yeah. Um, so are, I, I see that there's three playable characters. Um, are there, is it just the three? Um, currently, there's up to 10 characters. So oh, for wow. each character... Yeah, for each character that you can play. So for the first three ones, it's a knight. It's the usual ones, like the knight, the archer, and the mage. But what I tried to do this uh, to do for all the characters is to have them different or to play them differently. It's not just having them different stats. We're just having... Because um, like some characters you would play is... Uh, let's say if you're going to use the knight and you're going to use the paladin, you're just going to have like different stats with them. So what I tried with this game is to have the characters play differently. So if you can get the game demo now, you can try the Eternal Saint. And the Eternal Saint plays way differently from the other three ones. It's the same with the Archer. Seems, uh, it's the same with the Knight and it's the same with the Mage. Because um, like for the Archer, you can go with the more tactical or strategical move where you can do back damage. Uh, you can do double damage when you attack the enemy on the back. Uh, while this won't have any effect if you use a knight or even the mage um while the mage is quite strong uh, it can handle uh, crowd control it can handle a lot of enemies but the usage is much smaller like or the mana or the is much smaller compared to the archer and the knight i see um and it's yeah. you also have a leader slot that's that's something that's really different from other uh games in a similar genre yeah uh for the leader is it's like um you can choose a lot of leaders and each leader has their own skills 
which could directly um, help your army at the same time. But you can use this like overpowered skills um, not not on the first few stages because you have to finish a couple of tips so that you can get uh, more usage of the leaders. Mm-hmm. And for people that are just listening along, the leader is like a character that's not on the board. It's somebody that has some passives, it looks like, and some uh, active abilities that you would use as the player uh, to help your units on the board. Yeah. Um, and in the future, actually, we're going to have synergies. Like if you use certain characters with a certain leader, um, you're going to get like a boost for that character. Not only stat, uh, not, not only boost in stats, like something different if you use that certain character with a leader. Awesome. Having played the demo, and we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, I was saying how much I liked the archer because of um, the longer range that he has versus some of the other the other characters. I noticed that on the the maps that I was playing, you have a lot of like kind of bottlenecks where you sort of have like one one way mm. through without going the long way around. Yeah. Um actually for the um good thing you notice it because one of the things that I wanted to make for the tactics game, especially for this one, is um to have strategical placement of your characters. There are placement since this this game is roguelite, so the the map is procedurally generated, but even so I kind of make it to a point that um, there are um, the strategical parts that I wanted to be placed is still generated in that map. So there are some maps that have like a choke point or like a bottleneck, like what you said. Um, it's to further push um, or is to further enhance your strategy for that game. And there are trees. Actually, the trees would act as a um, like a road opener. So um, it's also part of their strategy player as well. Oh, <clears throat> so you can clear the trees. Yeah, because um, the game, the concept of the game is basically you're being overrun by a lot of enemies. I'm sure you felt that. So yeah. if the road is opened or if the tiles are opened up um, as the game goes on, the it's much easier for the enemies to go to you compared to like choke points and smaller tiles that only have one passage um having more open tiles would definitely be harder for the player in the long run mm-hmm. and i think that makes it more fun because it's not dreadfully obvious what the best route is yeah um it, it's like a i'm sure that you're going to experience it like for each match that you're going to go ahead to is it's quite different because aside from uh the changing of the map or the strategy of the map, you also have um, different objectives for that. So you have to match how you want to play um, that exact skirmish or that exact map based on the tile setup and at the same time, the missions for that map. Um, are the maps all a similar size? Um, they all have the same size, but the... But the exact playable area is, well, the playable area, because um, even the map is procedurally generated, I kind of make it to a point that um, the conflict is there. So what I mean by that is the enemies and the players are are kind of close to each other. 
at all times. So you will have to think about the moves that you're going to make because um, if you make a wrong turn or a wrong move, um, there's a negative consequence for that. Yeah, I, I'd like to just highlight how different that is from other tactical games where uh, a lot of the times you end up having to, you know, turn one. All right, let's let's start moving across the map. And then by about turn three or four, we'll we'll have caught up to the enemy and we'll be in some sort of conflict. It seems like uh, you get up close and personal a lot faster. Yeah, because um, th- there were games before, like, like, actually my favorite game for the tactics is uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. But you can exploit the game like uh, you can just put Ramza or anywhere or anyone like put them on the the edge of the map. Then just, you know, just keep on accumulating. Then you're going to more EXP, more job points. Um, I think that's why I was trying to eliminate is um, there's also a good thing. If you're having a a huge map, there's a bonus for that. But um, the way I I designed the game is there was also a negative. If, If, if the map was uh, quite huge, I was trying to make it more balanced in a way that the conflict was still there, rather than just abusing it and you know trying to uh, make your player so strong to the point that you know you can just one hit anyone, or you you can just use like the calculator to you know to kill all the units there. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Um, I'm also notoriously bad at math. So I'm liking the numbers that I see. They're all quite low, <laughs> which is also quite <laughs> different. Um, and for for people who haven't looked at it, the thing I'm talking about is uh, looking at the health of like your mage. Uh, one of them has two two total health, two max health. Mm. Your knight has like three max health, um, and the enemies are all kind of similar. So that's it, it's on a different scale than a lot of other games. Yeah. Um... Actually, for the low health one, I really wanted to make it because it's easier for me to actually look at low numbers one, looking at um like you know nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine damage once. So yeah, I, yeah, because it gets to a point in some of these that it's like, what really is the difference between, uh, you know, a thousand and a thousand two hundred damage? You know, as a player, that doesn't mean yeah. a lot to you other than number go up a little bit. But when it's like number go from two to three, you're like, oh, big increase. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think one thing people noticed right away was was the half symbol. Like, like uh, you can go half. So instead of you know like one, two, or three, uh, you can actually go one and a half. When I was making the game and when I was testing it, I did not hear anyone you know like told me like I, like they're off with the half symbol but when the game demo went out I actually just realized that there are some people who don't like the half symbol so <laughs> so I've placed a settings one just to remove that and it doubles all the values so it's for the people who don't like the half uh like the half symbol one <laughs> that's really funny but I like I mean more customization is never a bad thing yeah, I try my best to, you know, to accommodate the game for all people. Like, like, cause I would understand if, if the half one is kind of annoying for you. So, uh, it's something that could help you with that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to talk about sort of the story and uh, it, it's procedurally generated, but I see that you kind of pick a campaign almost, um, or at least mm-hmm. you pick an area. So what is the story procedurally generated? Is it scripted events within a procedural generation? Like how does that work? It's not um, not generated by the map, but it was, it has only one story. So uh, only the only the matches or the maps are procedurally generated. The story is more about, I guess, being nihilistic. Great, because <laughs> <laughs> the game you would notice like there are four gods present. There's the good, evil, um, human nature. Well, it's it's basically the the metaphor for a person having. Well, everyone is is good at some point. Everyone's bad at some point. Um, we are all connected with nature and at the same time we're all human. Um, it's better to have those. I'm good all the time. I don't I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> on the internet these days, that's that's all you're supposed to say. I'm just still watching the gameplay. A lot of the uh, designs look really cool too, um, for both the players but also the enemies. Like what I'm what I'm looking at, it looks like an, a lot of the enemies are very nature-based. They're like tree people. Mm. I'm looking at these. Mm. I, I really like these ones. It's like uh, kind of tree archers. Because the first stage is the wildlands. So uh, it's mostly nature enemies. Then the next area is um, swamplands. Then you also have the castle one, which are um, which all of the air, all of the areas there have their own and uh, their own set of enemies. And I tried to make all the enemies different from each other rather than having you know this the usual numerical difference because i was trying to not make it like an excel game where (laughs) yeah the only difference is like when you go to this stage only the hp would go up but the attack uh, the attack would go up but they act the same so um i kind of tried which i know is kind of risky but i kind of tried um having um different units per area yeah i think that's really cool um, I see too on your you've got a roadmap up, which is pretty cool uh, on Steam, on your Steam page. Um, one of the things that you're talking about, you're, it says you're aiming for a February March 2023 release, and that you want to get some new modes in there. Do you uh, have you talked at all about what those new modes are, or is that still a secret? Sure, I can actually disclose it. Um, the new modes will have an endless mode. Uh, basically, it's it's like a high score race system where you um it's like how far can you go um and that's like the real roguelike challenge for the hardcore players i also have the the skirmish one which is similar to heroes 3 where you can you know you can create your own map and share it with other um with other players so it's basically like a skirmish uh where you can create a certain mini story or mini campaign for players to play then you can share those afterwards. That's awesome. I love seeing stuff like that because then if you if you get really into a game, if the community can help create content, it'll keep going for a real long time. <laughs> yeah, because um, I played Heroes 3 when I was a kid. And, and to be honest, up until now, it's one of those games that I still play. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've got several old games that will just never go out of style for me. Uh, what sort of games inspired this? Um, this specifically, because, well, honestly, um, 
when I thought about making a tactics game, um, in my head was Vandal Hearts 2. I, I know it's it's very different from this, but Vandal Hearts 2 had a different turn-based system where when you know when you control or when you move a unit, it's the same time that your unit and the enemy move uh, unit moves at the same time, which which is quite different when I played it before. And I don't quite see it often. So um, the reason why I brought that up because I wanted to create something different in terms of the turn-based system, you know, rather than having the usual, uh, which isn't bad, by the way, um, the usual ones or the classic ones is great, but I just wanted to create something um, something new for the genre. First was Vandal Hearts 2. Then obviously you can see Heroes 3. Pretty sure you can see Heroes 3 from that. Um, like what I said earlier, I, I played a lot of Heroes 3 games. Um, some of Into the Breach. If if the XCOM Gears Tactics and the more newer ones um, influenced this one, but it did influence me, especially in uh, in terms of tactics games. Which was, uh, I'm not very good on the difference between roguelike and roguelite. Um, is mm-hmm. this the kind that you like will get you'll be leveling up or getting some kind of progression outside of the uh the game that carries over to multiple runs or is that the other kind now for the roguelite because this one you can get uh you can unlock characters and the leaders and their skills by completing uh, achievements like um there are times you can see a treasure chest and you can get that and you can get the new character from it um there are times that you have to kill or like you have to defeat enemies, then you can get the new skill from that. So there's still a progression um, in the game. So that's the reason why I kind of called it roguelite. Um, I'm curious too. Uh, do you it, it right now? You can get the demo on Steam, but do you have a uh, price point for it yet? For when uh, uh, what you think it'll cost when it's fully out? Yeah, currently looking at fourteen ninety nine. I think that's fair for a, for a good tactics game. Yeah, I think that's um, definitely fair. And we just saw. Um, oh, it's a little more expensive. I was thinking of Symphony of War was another uh, tactical game that yeah, was Symphony willing to uh, price itself kind of that way. It's a great game. Actually, I'm playing um, Songs of Conquest right now. <laughs> it's a great game. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I love that uh, you guys all. Like, I don't know, it's fun to hear that, like, devs playing other games. Um, do you have any plans for, like, I, I think you have a really good roadmap. Um, but I'm curious, do you have any plans for things like DLC or a sequel when this is done? Any Anything like that that you're willing to disclose yet? Um, every update that I'm going to make for the game will be free. So, hey, um, all right. Yeah, I don't... Uh, because um, I grew up in the SNES era where, you know, I mean, when you get the game, like, there's no DLC. Yeah. So for me, if I do have some updates or, or if I do have some DLC, I, I'm just going to count it as a, an update, like, for free. Because um, I, mean, I think that's how a game is supposed to be since basically you got the base game already. So why not just give the updates for free? Uh, because money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. But 
But you know, if you're just working your own, if you're working in a small studio, like um, you, you have something to lose, but um, at the same time, you, you have everything to risk. I would understand the bigger studios um, less riskier, which I completely understand as well, because uh, they have to answer to someone else. But if you're if you're answering to yourself, I uh, you just have or you just want to create a good game for everyone. I, I like that. Um, I feel like that is an underrated answer. <laughs> you ask people why they want to make games, and there's a lot of answers. But because I just want to make a good game for people, it's not one that uh, is actually said that often anymore. I don't think. Yeah, because um, I just wanted to create a game that's that's not uh, well, it's not the same. Hopefully, it's not the same with any game because I just wanted to make, and hopefully, I would uh, want to make an impact because the games I played, especially when I was young, had a great impact on me. Yeah, so you kind of want to impact somebody else the same way. Yeah, hopefully in a positive way. Wait. 15, 20 years and somebody, you know, if we're still doing this, we'll interview somebody and they'll go, yeah, when I was a kid, I got this game Immortal Tactics. And that's really what all this is based on. Yeah, that's going to put the smile on my face. <laughs> At any point where do you think that uh, we'll be able to take control of the enemies, do anything like that? Not directly, but there are some, actually there's one. Uh, hero does something like that. Oh, that sounds interesting and mysterious. Yeah. Um, I think that's a smart spoiler I can say for uh, for the people unlocking that character. That and, sounds cool. I always ask about it because of uh, it was always really satisfying. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the game Lord of the Rings, The Third Age. Uh, it's a fun little rpg um from back in the day but it was always really fun to me to whenever uh, they had an evil mode that let you play as the villains and fight your party mm -hmm. and whenever i had you know taken a big loss or something or the rng had screwed me over with the characters missing or something uh it was fun to switch to the evil guys and just kill my party real quick <laughs> <laughs> it made me feel just a little bit better yeah. Were you controlling like a lot of uh, units when, when you were using the enemy side? Um, it would do it per battle. So it would actually take like um, some of the scripted battles that would, because there's random battles in that game, but there's also like scripted ones and some of them are kind of set piece battles. So it would take mm -hmm. some of those scripted ones and uh, just put you in control of the orcs for that one. And so it was like your party allows you to have three at a time and bad guys you'd have like eh, three to five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that sounds interesting. Um, and it didn't have any kind of progression or any kind of like... Uh, Wait, if you use the enemies and you won as the enemies, do you actually win? <clears throat> yeah, so what it does is it puts you on like a couple battles. You would do it per chapter. So you would do evil mode for chapter one. And you would do like the first six battles of chapter one or something, or the six most important battles of chapter one. And if you won the whole thing, yeah. you actually won some items for your heroes to use in the campaign. Oh, okay. You would get a like a, a new sword and maybe a couple of like healing potions or things like that. And I think you only got the rewards the first time you beat 
the evil mode for it, but you could still go back mm-hmm. and replay the evil mode, which I did frequently just because I thought it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mini mode as well. Yeah, yeah, just a, a fun little distraction for if I get too frustrated with the main game. <laughs> so well, that's something interesting. See, so, uh, do you have any like super challenging hardcore achievement plan? Um, I have just a few ones because um, I wanted to make the like like the hardcore gamers or the hardcore players enjoy the game as well. The uh, the real masochist. Yep. So uh, I'm hearing play through the entire game with one character. <laughs> <laughs> like they die. Like you start with one health. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's where you really want those fractions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those halves become real important. Uh, I know if you make something like that, though, people will do it. I'm, I'm not quite that much of a masochist, but they're, they're definitely people that are. By the way, what what um what are your take on the halves? On the halves, um, I don't know. I would try it both ways. I might double things just to make it more round, even numbers. Because, like I said, math is definitely not my strong suit. So I really need all the help I can get. But we're also dealing with such small numbers that I'd probably be fine. I'm a little bit curious too as to like. The halves, um, does it just kind of count as a mm. hit point? Or like if I get reduced down to, let's say, just half of a health point, um, can I keep living on that or <laughs> will I die? You're, you're still going to live with a half health point. And, and actually, funny thing with the, uh, with the half one is I had to actually like, like, like discuss or... Um, um, talk with a lot of people with a half um, discussion and to actually get the poll, like, uh, you know, uh, which one do you like best? Is it the half or the, or the, with no half? And the answer was still 50-50. So <laughs> it didn't kind of bring me anywhere. Just It's just still this, it's just still remained the same. I know it wouldn't have made any sense, but it would have been really ironic if you let people like cast a half vote. <laughs> I don't think many polling institutions allow for a half vote, but it would have been funny. Because uh, when I tested it, like there are some people um, told me like I didn't, they didn't notice the half. And there's the other half of those people that they were just really bugged about the half symbol in the game. Like, why is there a half? You know, just just remove the half. And they were joking that do you also have like a fourth or like a three-fourth of the health? I'm like, um, maybe. <laughs> it's funny because when I was playing the demo, it, it didn't even like register that like that was like a point of annoyance. I just sort of mentally accepted it. So it's funny to hear that there were other people that had opinions on it. <laughs> um well well, it's the best I can do is you know, just just to have the settings to Mm-hmm. Um, for the people that don't like the feature is, you know, you can just double the values. There's also one, I'm not sure if you noticed in the settings, you can actually change the font as well to a simple font. Because, um, well, this I understand because coming from a country that's the main language is in English. Um, it's hard for some people to read the fonts in the medieval designed way so um i placed an accessibility setting 
where it makes the fonts simpler and much easier to read. That's something I feel like is overlooked a lot. So that's really nice that <laughs> that you would do that. It's actually from the community. Um, there's um, there's a lot of changes in the game that I did because of the community. Um, they did help me a lot when I was testing the game. I was just uh, I was I was asking them like all the time, like what you did not like about the game. I mean. You can tell me what you didn't like about the game, and I'll try to make it better if I can. So, um, the improvements and upgrades of the game was actually done with the help of the community. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's always a good way, I think, to develop a game is getting a lot of a lot of feedback. If I just base it for myself, and I I don't think obviously it's not um, I'm not going to be a perfect person to do it. So, um. Listening to um, the feedback of other players um, is, I think, it, it, for me, it's something really important because um, I, I don't see a lot of the uh, the downside or the wrong things that I've done. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the main reason I've done them is I thought was good, so <laughs> and I was assuming they were good, but you know, I, I like to hear it when people um, tell me like. Uh, you have to fix this or I don't generally like this. And when I kind of hear them not only once, but like a couple of times or a number of times, you know, it's it's a huge sign that there's there's a problem with that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're hearing it from like multiple different people. It's also, it's it can be hard to take some of those things into, uh, into consideration because I know like, I write books and things and things definitely become your baby. You know, it gets, it's like, Oh, I don't want to make changes, but it it definitely can be difficult sometimes to kind of suck it up and be like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think that's, that's the, that's one thing I've learned from the first games I've made before, which um, actually was very different. I had a different approach where my first few games was mainly targeting um like if i wanted to have this feature or i wanted to have this one um um i just push it or i just i'm just gonna put it there even though you don't get it like um um i kind of understood that 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 wasn't the right way to do it but at the same time understand that it's hard to actually you know um to to change everything for the game for everyone. I mean, you cannot please everyone, of course. But right, if, you're like, you're always gonna have that one guy that's like, does it have to be turn based? And you're like, yeah, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. So, so it, but if I do hear the problem, like not only once, like a couple of times already, uh, I think that's that's something for me. Yeah, so uh, I you mentioned it, and we usually ask about it, but I'm just scatterbrained today, and uh, we didn't. I see on Steam that you do have two other games. You've got Bricks Frenzy and Air Strife Assault of the Aviators. Yeah, um, actually, um, the first game I made was in um, the very first one was in was in high school. I started playing around with Game Maker, maybe around like. 04 or 05 was like game maker 5.1 and it's free um 
I tried playing around with it, then it got stuck with me. But when I got into college, um, I kind of stopped. You know, it's like a, when you um, when you stop, then after like a few years, it's still in your mind, and you just go back at it again. Mm-hmm. And then you know, the pandemic happened. Um, that's when I created the Bricks Frenzy one. I see. So, yeah. But before that, I was making mobile games. Um, mobile games, you know, like, uh, or even like mini games just for fun. But uh, when the pandemic happened, I kind of realized that this is something that I really wanted to do. So I just kind of pursued it. That's awesome. And that's, I mean, it just takes that decision sometimes that we're doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think when you get stuck in the house for too long, (laughs) <laughs> you gotta you gotta start doing something you're gonna yeah, go exactly. nuts for sure um and uh are you doing all of it yourself uh are you doing all the art and the music or are you getting some help from outside i'm getting help um i know it's not my expertise in some aspects and um i have to acknowledge that and you know there are artists who help me along the way karina um slime um our man i you'll know who you are um thank you for all the help um z for the audio um there's a lot of people who helped me along the way and um to be honest being if i did the game on my own it won't turn out um the way it is right now for sure for sure i know as also not an artist uh, if you ask me to draw like character yeah. designs and stuff i'm just gonna you're gonna get something back that is gonna be interesting <laughs> <laughs> well i kind of understand that as well it looks really good yep um i also wanted to make sure i got to it because I, I think i brought it up earlier and I, I didn't get a straight answer on this one so you mm-hmm. do have a subtitle it's immortal tactics war of the eternals are we possibly gonna see immortal tactics something else I kind of like the subtitles in the games, um, like Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, Castlevania, oh, yeah. Art of Sorrow. Um, I think it's one way of uh, having, like, if the game goes well, um, I'm very interested, like, you know, in having a second, if the game goes well, I'm very interested in having a second one. And of course, the subtitle or subtext would be different. All right, you heard it here first. There's going to be 10, 10 of these games. <laughs> if I can do it. <laughs> uh, so what can people do to help you out the most? Obviously play the demo and uh, join the Discord and give feedback, but also um, follow you on Steam, which list the game uh, and buy the game when it comes out. Um, is it going to be available on uh, any other platform? For now, it's just Steam. Um but I guess hopefully it goes well in the future. And I think one way people can help out is, you know, just spread the word. Because, um, again, I, I guess this is the usual problem of um, game devs. We're not, we're not marketing experts. So um, any, any help in spreading the word uh, would be much appreciated. All right. Okay. So buy the game on Steam. Wish list it if you can't afford it yet and come back and make sure you do pick it up at some point. Uh, join the Discord 
and definitely keep supporting uh, Kinesoft Game Studio because it looks like you're making some really cool stuff. Oh, I guess another thing you could do is pick up his previous games. <laughs> Bricks Frenzy and Air Strife Assault of the Aviators. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I really appreciate it, uh, and it's an honor for me. Stay in touch, and we'll talk soon. Bye now. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to continue the conversation with us, you can find us on Twitter at the Turn by Turn Pod. We can also be found on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are sold. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts would mean the world. We will talk to you soon. Bye.